Welcome to the Carl Reader Show. Hey everyone and welcome to the Carl Reader Show and today I've got a cracking bullet point business episode for you. And what I'm going to do today is focus on business format franchising. It's a subject that many of you will know that I'm clearly passionate about. Um, I've entered the franchising world about 15 years ago and I've learned a little bit along the way. Um, you know, we've worked, at, my core business has worked with about two and a half thousand franchised locations. We've probably, over our time, worked with about 200 brands. Um, bearing in mind in the UK that there's um, in anywhere between 500 to 700 um, actively trading brands. That's quite a good percentage of them. And I've seen internationally what goes on in franchising. So what I'd like to do is really distill that knowledge that I've gained along the way. Um, and this will be a very simplistic episode for, the, for those people who are interested in franchising. Um, however, if you'd like me to go into more depth in any particular area of franchising, or to perhaps expand on any topics that I've raised within my book, The Franchising Handbook, then please drop me a line on social media, let me know, and I'll be more than happy to dive in further. Look, I've got nothing to hide on this. I've personally got nothing to sell you. Um, all I want to do is share the knowledge along the way. And there's a really important reason why in franchising we need to share the good stuff. And that's because there are so many sharks out there. In the UK, franchising is not a regulated industry in the same way that it is perhaps in the US or in Europe. Um, in the UK, franchising comes under general commercial law. Whereas in the US, for example, there is um, regulation about who can and cannot call themselves a franchise. And there are um, legislative things that you need to be aware of, such as the need to issue a franchise disclosure document and so on. In the UK, there's no franchise-specific legislation. Um, so from that, from that angle, it's important that if you're going into franchising, whether it's to franchise your own business or to invest in a franchise, you understand what good franchising looks like. Now, I mentioned that I serve as director of the BFA. Uh, the BFA is the British Franchise Association, and it stands as the self-regulatory um, organisation for franchising within the UK. Um, it oversees a very good proportion of franchisors. So um, there is some level of um, self-policing in place. What does a franchise actually look like, though? You know, we hear the word franchise, and some people will think of a film franchise, you know, perhaps Back to the Future. Some people might think of um, a football club or a sporting club franchise. You know, when I, think, when I think of the word franchising outside of work, I think of franchise Milton Keynes when they took the team from Wimbledon. And obviously in the US, a sports franchise is far more common. When we talk about franchising from a business perspective, we're talking about business format franchising. And a business format franchise is the ability, um, it's the provision of a business format that can be replicated over and over again. So what is a franchise actually made up of? Um, in my eyes, it's actually made up of um, four different things. So the first is, uh, and probably most visibly, is the brand. So we know that a branch of McDonald's is likely to open with a bang 
sell more burgers and ultimately be more profitable based on the fact that it has the golden arches outside. Because people know what the business does, what they stand for, um, what they're going to get. Now, whether you like McDonald's or not, you have to acknowledge that from a branding perspective, it works. And if you were to set up, um, let's, let's say, um, I don't know, McDowell's, thinking of coming to America, it wouldn't have the same impact, even though visually you could make it look exactly the same. Um, but there's also the aspect that the brand is protected. There will be trademarks in place, there will be patents if needed, there will be control over the supply chain to make sure that actually there's integrity in the um, offering of the brand to third parties and that as a franchisee, you're protected from somebody else setting up using the same branding. The second part of a franchise is the operations, the systems, the operations manual, the nuts and bolts of how you do it. So this often takes the shape of an operations manual. And when we say operations manual, you might think of a dusty old folder with um, printed documents. Actually, nowadays, these are becoming online. Um, more and more, they are um, a dynamic document that changes from day to day. But without that system, that process, the routine that the franchise needs to follow, you haven't got a system that can be replicated. The third aspect is the legal agreement. Now, again, there's no legally defined um, requirements in agreements. However, there are some common sense items that all franchisors would include. The term, you know, how long does this agreement last for? The obligations, which typically there's much higher obligations on franchisee than franchisor. What you're gonna pay and what you're gonna get. You know, that, that's the sta fairly standard stuff. In my book, um, I've got a detail of all the clauses you should expect to see, plus at the back, a sample franchise agreement for you to have a look at what you'd expect. Um, but without a contract, now a contract could be the back of a fact packet, quite frankly, um, but without a contract, there is no franchise in place. So they're the obvious things. The fourth thing, which often doesn't get bought up, is the way we do things, the culture. And it's vital that within a franchise, that you don't just buy into the systems and the agreement and the branding logically, but that you emotionally buy into the culture, the way that the franchisor and the other franchisees do things. And this is the unspoken. You won't often see this in literature about franchising or if you were to go to a franchising seminar, but this is the most important thing. You need to bear in mind that a typical franchise agreement is five years once renewable. It's longer than most marriages. I often refer to it as the franchise marriage. So you need to make sure that as a franchisee or as a franchisor, when you're about to do the deal, don't just think about it logically. Think about it emotionally as well. Can you live with this person for five years? Guys, listen, that's a very whistle-stop tour of franchising. I mentioned earlier that I've got a wealth of information uh, on this. You know, um, the first step would be my book, or otherwise I'm more than happy to share other podcasts to talk about experiences, perhaps um, what I've seen within franchise networks, what I've seen at franchisor level, or what I've seen at franchisee level. So if you've got any questions on this or any other business topic, hit me up, drop me a message on social media. I would love to share it, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you for listening to The Carl Reader Show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and tell your friends.
This podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, D&T Advisory, helping you unlock the magic in your business by adding value, not numbers. Find out more at www.team-dt.com. QuickBooks, helping UK small businesses stay on top of their finances.